Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me on the Fox Sports app and at foxsports.com. As of right now, I have a piece up about the trade sending Bradley Beal from the Washington Wizards to the Phoenix Suns in exchange for Chris Paul and Landry Shamit and assorted second round picks. Uh, you can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places, but there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. As I mentioned, big trade just went down. Bradley Beal going to the Phoenix Suns to join Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. As if that team wasn't top-heavy already. But we'll get to all that. Usually, as most of you know, I'm fairly meticulous about preparing for a podcast episode. I figure well, the reason is because my time is precious, and I figure yours is as well. So... I need to get to whatever it is that I'm going to say rather than some of the podcasts I've heard where it's just a rambling conversation. Who knows where it's going to go or how long it's going to last on a particular subject. I don't want to do that to you, especially since I'm flying solo. So normally I'm well prepared. I know what I'm going to say and how I'm going to say it and what I want to hit pretty much. It's not formulaic, but... I have a roadmap. This isn't one of those because the trade just went down and I feel a compulsion to respond and to respond right away. So we'll see how this goes. I'm gonna let it rip and whenever I run out is when I run out. So here we go. The thing I'm most curious about as a result of this deal is the background and the approach of Phoenix Suns' Matt Ishbia former Michigan State walk-on, for those who aren't familiar, about 5'10", 175. My guess is, based on his stats and his size, that he was not a scholarship athlete at any point during that run. I don't think he ever averaged more than two points, maybe three points, and didn't play every game and started one in his career. I'm going to guess that was the last game of his senior year sort of an honor 
deal that they that that a lot of high schools and colleges do where they start seniors for their last game in any case very successful businessman wouldn't be buying a nba team if he wasn't but i'm really curious because he has come out guns blazing and taken a particular approach that while very splashy and very exciting and very aggressive has proved not to work of late if if it ever did what i'm talking about is the idea that you needed a big three to win a championship and i would say that this started with the boston celtics i'm going to make them responsible they didn't think of it as we're getting a big three they just formed a big three with kevin garnett paul pierce and ray allen and it was actually and this is one of the holes in this idea that it's all about having three superstars to win a championship is they actually had a fourth in point guard rajan rondo and they had one hell of a supporting cast tony allen Sam Cassell, who'd already won a couple rings in Houston. P.J. Brown, Eddie House, James Posey, and yes, Kendrick Perkins. This was back before Perkins started his silliness on ESPN, way before. Uh, and then Leon Poe. For Leon Poe, perfect example. Dude only averaged 14 minutes a game during the regular season, and yet provided eight points and four rebounds those were his averages that is amazing production in a short amount of time so they only looked like a big three they were actually if you look at their numbers and the way they played they were very much an equal opportunity team yeah rondo allen pierce perkins garnett they all played 35 36 minutes or more but don't sell short the contributions of the bench and the supporting cast. And the real tell is the fact that they won a championship in 2008, and then Sam Cassell was gone, P.J. Brown was gone, James Posey gone. Leon Poe got hurt two games into the playoffs, so he wasn't available, and they couldn't get out of the second round. Some other extenuating circumstances, but you catch my drift they started the idea that a big three wins championships and then it would continued on when lebron and dwayne wade and chris bosh came together in miami and yet even they first time out they didn't win a championship they won championships two out of four years and if you look at those teams and how they were composed once again the supporting cast is what made the difference in winning championships. Ray Allen was a role player at that point. Without his double clutch three in game six, they don't win a second ring. I am not saying you don't need stars to win championships. You do. You just don't necessarily need three. And if you do, then those three better fit together the way the Golden State Warriors three fit together their games better complement each other they better have different strengths and weaknesses their strengths covering up for the other weaknesses and then even with the warriors what was their slogan 
strength in numbers because that's what it was all about. And I could go through all of the recent champions and how they were composed. We haven't had anything even remotely close to a big three as much as people have tried to sell it. The 2022 champion Golden State Warriors, yeah, they had a big three in name only. The role players, Andrew Wiggins, Jordan Poole, Kevon Looney, Gary Payton II, all of them made key contributions. Klay Thompson wasn't anything close to star level with that team. And even Draymond Green had fallen off some. The 2021 winners, the Milwaukee Bucks, they had one bonafide star, Giannis Antetokounmpo. It wasn't until they won the championship that now people were anointing Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday as stars, the big three theorists were, in order to make it look like, yeah, another big three won a championship. Let's go to the 2020 Lakers. LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And then who? Contavious Caldwell Pope? There was no third star on that team. Kyle Kuzma? No. The whole issue and the thing that was talked about all year long was they needed to get a third star in order to compete. No, they didn't. Won it just fine because they had depth and versatility. They could play fast and small, and they could play big and grind it out. They could beat you with defense, or they could run and they could score. 2019 Toronto Raptors. Kawhi Leonard was the only name. Kyle Lowry, Serge Ibaka, Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, they were all contributing factors. Some of them very good. Some of them have been all-stars. Marcus Gasol. They had all-stars, but they didn't have three stars. So this is, I bring all this up because the formula or the blueprint that Matt Ishbia and the Phoenix Suns seem to be following is that they need a big three. First and foremost, need a big three. They had Chris Paul. They had Kevin Durant, Devin Booker. That didn't work. So let's upgrade on our third star. Let's move Chris Paul out. Let's get Bradley Beal in. Let's not worry about the bench or how they fit. Because here's the reality. You're talking about as talented as those three are. Who is the distributor? Who's the playmaker? I actually liked the combination of Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and Kevin Durant initially. I liked the idea of it because I thought Chris Paul could be the floor general. Doesn't need to score, can spearhead the defense. And then we found out Chris Paul is not the same defender that he once was. People were actually attacking him by the end of the year and going into the playoffs. And having turned 38 in May, done everything possible to keep his body together, but six feet and 38 years old is six feet and 38 years old. There's only so much you can do to squeeze another year, another quality year out of your body, especially when the league and the guys that you're competing against in the postseason are younger and younger as they were. Going up against the 20-somethings, <laughs> Jamal Murray and Aaron Gordon, all of the Denver Nuggets, like it's it's diminishing returns, and it's no fault. It just happens. So, Phoenix Suns go and get Bradley Beal. But who's the distributor? Who's the playmaker? I 
would imagine it's going to be Devin Booker. I liked the way he handled the role when Chris Paul or after Chris Paul got injured in the playoffs. He pushed the tempo, distributed, did did as good a job in that role as I've seen him. And he's had that role before when the Phoenix Suns, before Chris Paul showed up, really didn't have a point guard. And as a result, he had to do a lot of the playmaking and the ball handling. And there's a reason why they never made the playoffs while that was happening. This is a whole other animal, though. It's one thing, and ultimately, while he did it better, it wasn't good enough to get them past the Denver Nuggets. So, can he be a playmaker and a ball handler and a distributor, and perhaps most important, a floor general, which goes beyond just organizing them and getting them into into the sets. It's also being the calming influence or pumping guys up or just being that emotional center for a team to keep it balanced in the heat of battle. That's where I have a hard time imagining Devin Booker playing that role. Kevin Durant has already told us he has no interest in playing that role, so don't count on him. Bradley Beal, we've never seen him in that role. Not on a meaningful level if we're talking about playing for a championship. And then there's the other part, which is how are you going to fill out the rest of your roster? Those three alone... Their salaries amount to $130 million. The salary cap is projected for next season to be $134 million. When you throw in DeAndre Ayton's $32 million contract, they're way over the cap. I don't know. I believe they might be already past what in the new collective bargaining agreement is the second apron, which means that they don't have the availability of the mid-level exception and some other ways of signing players. I'm, I'm in deep water now. I haven't studied enough to tell you definitively, but let's just put it this way. Those three take up a big chunk. And even if, as some people anticipate, they move DeAndre Ayton for a couple of players to give them some depth... It still means that they're going to inherit $32 million. So presumably it will still keep them over the apron and unable to sign guys in any other way. Now, I understand Beal, Booker, Durant, with or without Aiton, or say you get, and I'm just spitballing here, say you sent Aiton to Indiana, which signed him to the original uh, offer sheet that the Phoenix Suns matched. What I have to double check is whether he can still be traded there eventually or whether, I know it was for at least a year. And again, I'm in deep water here. This is what happens when I don't do all of my research going into a podcast so that I know exactly what I'm talking about. This is the downside of me doing a snap take. The upside is you get a reaction that's timely. So, got to live with the ups and downs here, if you will. Both of us do, or all of us do, I shall say. In any case, say you move Aiton for Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. That still doesn't give you a whole lot of depth. Gives you a slightly better defensive center. Gives you another shooter to spread the floor. But Buddy Heald's not a defender. Like all the talk about... Miles Turner and Buddy Heald and what they would do for the Los Angeles Lakers if they could make a deal, if they could move Westbrook there. Like, people have not been watching Buddy Heald, if you think that. He can knock down threes. He can score to fairly... He's, he's fearless when it comes to scoring. He's not defending anybody. And Miles Turner is either often injured or in foul trouble. So, wouldn't count on him. And he's not a stretch five. Doesn't shoot the three well enough, at least from what I've seen, to suggest that he could be a better stretch five than Anthony Davis has been. Would have been a nice fit. Those two could have played next to each other. But the idea that it was a no-brainer home run, Lakers are on their way to winning a championship if Rob Palenka had only made that deal. Rob Palenka made the smartest moves possible, and in part because... He was not listening to the clutch agency and LeBron James. Did that once with Russell Westbrook. Wasn't going to do it again. Wisely so. Because as I look at it, the Lakers maximized what they could be last season. It was pretty damn good. Exciting down the stretch. They too are going to have issues keeping that whole thing together. Uh, And you've already seen reports, which... I knew they were not going to have the wherewithal to go after another big star, nor should they, for the reason that I'm doing this podcast. That's not the avenue to winning a championship. The Denver Nuggets, didn't even mention them, our reigning champion. They have Nikola Jokic. They have maybe, at most, two stars, two bona fide stars in Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. And Murray is, hasn't even been an all-star. But what they have is depth and versatility and a very set hierarchy and players whose strengths fit together to make them greater than the sum of their parts. Now, can you see the Phoenix Suns being that, doing that? Who's going to be the defensive spearhead of that team? It's not going to be Bradley Beal. It's not going to be Booker. It's not going to be Kevin Durant. Cameron Payne is the only other player other than Aiton who is under contract. So where's that defense going to come from? And if there was any weakness that the Phoenix Suns had against the Denver Nuggets over and over again, it was their lack of depth. They could not compete. With Denver's bench. That's not going to change next year. So I'm I'm what the reason that I want to know more about Ishbia and how he runs his businesses and how he thinks is because I wonder if this is 
a formula that he's used in his other businesses where he's just gone after the top talent and paid premium in order to get the best of the best working for him or whether he at some point got the idea that this is how you build championship teams or maybe just maybe that's not the end the ultimate end game here sure I'm, I'm sure he wants to win a championship but maybe there's an ulterior motive which is I just want to make a big splash I just want to go get talent I want to I want to sell tickets I want the Phoenix Suns to be on national TV I want us to be in the spotlight because that generates a lot of revenue He's going to be paying, if, if he's into the second apron, he's going to be paying a certain amount of tax. But there's ways to make that up. Joe Lacob has done a great job of making that up, even though he's had one of the top player salaries or payrolls in the league for multiple years now. And yet, trust me, he's making money. So it, it can happen. I also I see this, and I've seen this, having covered the league for nearly three decades now, I've seen this with so many new owners, particularly in the last 10 years. I'd say Mark Cuban was probably the first. They come in, they're full of spit and vinegar, and I don't know where that saying came from, and I don't know why I used it just now, but they're, they're ready to go. They're ready to prove that they're smarter than... Everybody else in the league, they're coming with some new juice and they're going to reinvent the wheel and they're going to reinvent the game. Vivek Ranadive did it in Sacramento. I could go down the list, any number. They come in and they go a little crazy and then they pay the price and then they turn around and they take a more measured approach to doing things. Joe Lacob was the same way. He... He just happened to, his mistakes were, ended up not costing him. He offered the job, the head coaching job, to Stan Van Gundy before Steve Kerr. Van Gundy turned it down. Took, it, took the job with the Pistons because they were also giving him personnel control. Uh, signed DeAndre Jordan to an offer sheet, which the Clippers matched. Went after Tyson Chandler. Went after Dwight Howard. If he gets any of those guys, the, the cost, the salary that those guys would have taken up, and the need to play them, small ball as we know it, as the Warriors found it with Draymond Green and Andre Iguodala, would have never happened. Would have never happened. And I, you can tell me all you want about how great Steph Curry and Klay Thompson are but and were, but the truth of the matter is, if they didn't play small ball, if they didn't develop that defense, then they would have never been the champions. They would have never had the dynasty that they had. Let me hit one other subject while, while we're here, and that's somebody pinged me the other day about Mark Jackson, I forget what I was talking about when it came to the Golden State Warriors. Ah, it was Bob Myers and how much credit he deserved for the machinations behind the scenes of, well, his draft record's not great. He found the veterans to piece together. And more important, he had a relationship with everyone in the building that allowed them to circumvent 
all the issues that came up over the years. And trust me, plenty of issues came up behind the scenes that had to be quelled in order for them to continue to win a champion, win championships. And not every GM is equipped to do that. Not to the level Bob was. So anyway, I was giving Bob his flowers and mentioning Steve Kerr and pretty much the rundown of, of how this came together and how there was a lot of luck involved in that it came together. It wasn't Joe Lake of being light years ahead. He, he was willing to spend the money. He was willing to listen to the right people, but he was also gifted a lot of things that did and did not happen. In any case, I didn't mention Mark Jackson in the piece that I wrote about Bob. And someone hit me with, doesn't Mark Jackson get any credit for what he did? Da, 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 da. Which, whoever was that pinged me, if you would just do a little bit of research, you would know that I have been forthcoming as possible about Mark Jackson's contribution of him setting the foundation. No one has talked about that more than I have. No, more has, no one has recognized that more than I have because I was a sideline reporter for the Warriors for the two years that Mark put all that in place and basically kind of gave up that sideline gig because I couldn't be honest or actually I was honest on my radio show about how I thought that they did Mark Jackson wrong. I'm not quibbling about whether he could have done what Steve Kerr did. Fact is, Steve did it. Mark didn't. Mark was his own and worst worst enemy in some ways. But it's not just that they moved on from him. It's how they did it and how they smeared his name on the way out. I took exception to that and I said it on the radio. And I knew, kind of had a sneaking feeling that I wasn't going to be able to continue as a sideline reporter if I was going to be that honest about ownership and how they were handling things. And indeed, we we parted ways after that, which was just fine. I was doing a morning show, doing games at night, driving directly to the studio to sleep on a couch and then do the show anytime there was a home game and I had to do both. Yeah, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't going to work anyway. So it was convenient that it all worked out. But I needed to say that. I've recognized Mark Jackson was a very important contributor to the Warriors becoming the championship team that they were. But back to Mr. Ispia and the Phoenix Suns. I, as much as I'm excited to see what, how this works, especially with a brand new head coach in Frank Vogel, who is a defensive-minded coach, who is if he has a weakness it's making adjustments in games very good pre preparation coach uh, very much a player's coach in terms of being able to communicate does not has never liked confrontation I think more of him now having heard that Rajon Rondo thought highly of him when he played for the Lakers because Rajon is a tough one to win over so it says something about Frank's evolution and I've always liked him as a person but how much did the championship experience in the bubble, how much does that translate to knowing what to do with this particular team? That was the Lakers team. That was a team that was built to be good defensively. 
This is a team that's better built to be good offensively, obviously. <laughs> Pointing out the obvious with three scorers. But I don't know how they mesh. I don't know how they complement each other. I don't know how they make each other better. And who ultimately is going to be the leader of the three? KD doesn't want it. Devin still runs a little too hot at times to be that centerpiece. And he gets into too many personal battles still with the opposition. Is it Bradley Beal? You're going to bring him in with KD and Booker as the incumbents? Like, I just, on paper, it looks impressive. If it was a fantasy league team, you'd like what you've got. But as a team that has to actually go out there and play and beat the Denver Nuggets and the Sacramento Kings and, yes, even the Golden State Warriors and possibly the Los Angeles Lakers and all those teams, I just don't, I don't know how it's going to work. It's hard for me to buy in that it's going to get the job done, that they're somehow going to end up being the best team in the Western Conference. There's also one other element here, and that's the fact that the Miami Heat had great interest in Bradley Beal. And now my understanding is they've set their sights on Damian Lillard, which I always thought should be their first priority, and maybe it always has been. Maybe that's why... Beal wound up in Phoenix. But what does it say about Bradley Beal that you'd rather go to the Phoenix Suns, who got knocked out in the second round, than to go to the Miami Heat, where you are clearly, or you clearly could be the missing piece of a team that already proved it could go to the finals? And yes, I know. The Phoenix Suns proved two years ago that they could go to the finals. That was a different Phoenix Suns team. That was a team that did have Mikael Bridges, that did have Cam Johnson, that did have Jay Crowder. That was a different team. So, and Chris Paul, who was probably the driving force behind that particular team getting to the finals. I know Devin Booker was great, but Chris Paul was the playmaker and he was the emotional leader, the catalyst, if you will. I don't know who that is now. And Bradley Beal choosing the Suns over the heat is not a good indicator for me of what Bradley Beal is bringing to the table and where his mindset is, ultimately. But we shall see. And more important, we will find out more about Matt Ishbia as we go forward. I can't wait to find out. It's always fascinating. People have a ton of money and they have, to, they have the opportunity to make these big moves to catch everybody's attention. Just because they have money doesn't mean they're always smart, doesn't always mean they know the game, doesn't mean they, they are ahead of the curve. At some point they were, but there are all kinds of races that we run. And just because you win one in a particular category does not mean you are going to win them all, or even two. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United WeCast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and let me know what you thought of me just kind of ripping and running 
and whether we should do more of that. I don't think I will on a consistent basis, but if there is an appetite for you'd rather hear a timely take rather than a measured one a couple days later or sometime down the line, you'd rather hear more immediate take on what just happened, I'm certainly willing to provide that. I ultimately am here to give you what you would like me to talk about. So, in the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.